0: Give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed on a rainy Sunday morning to be at church. We are so glad that you got out of bed this morning. We celebrate you getting out of bed because we know that it would be a lot easier if we got celebrated getting out of bed every day. But today is Sunday and we celebrate that. So thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Adam Harold and I am the pastor here at the Refuge Church. And uh, we just, we, it's an honor that we get to spend our time with you today. And uh, I'm just I'm just so thankful for rainy Sundays that bring people to church in the state of Maine. Because we know you're here because it's raining outside. So um, if you were here last week, we had a special uh, special speaker by the name of Pastor Derek Fry. He is my pastor and he is my leader and he is my mentor. And I'm so thankful that I got to invite him to come and speak for for my people. Like any time that, that my people get to hear from my mentor, my pastor, my leader, it is a very special thing. And so, um, if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to get on to our website, RefugeMain slash messages. You're welcome to to get on there and, and to to download that, listen to it. Um, also on the iTunes podcast, it is there. Um, check that out because um, last week. Pastor Derek, I believe spoke a message that, um, for me, frankly, I've been thinking about it all week, uh, because it, it was it was eye opening um, about uh, son sonship versus slavery, and uh, how God didn't God doesn't want us to be slaves; He wants us to be sons. And just the comparison there. Um, I'm not going to talk a lot about his message this morning, I'm going to refer to it, uh, because today I'm talking to you about something that I call the principle of the opposite, which we're going to get to in a moment, but before I do, next Sunday, you don't want to miss next Sunday, because we'll have another guest speaker, and I know it sounds like, um, like I'm the pastor and I just don't like to speak very often, because last week we had a speaker, and I'm promoting a speaker next week, um, but frankly... We've had next week. It'll be our seventy-sixth service as a church. We haven't even met a hundred times yet. That's crazy. Seventy-six services, and out of the seventy-six, Rory Lawrence next Sunday will be our sixth guest speaker. And um, that's not a lot. That's that's not a lot of, of guest speakers. I've, I can't believe that I that you guys have endured seventy spe- times that I've spoken. Um, and, and it's just, it's just crazy to me. But, but Pastor Rory Lawrence is starting a church in Nashua, New Hampshire, called Legacy Church. And he and his team are going to be here. He's going to be speaking for us. And we, listen, this week we had a very special week. This week we bought a brand new trailer for the church. Brand new. It, it had been used. Our trailer guy is really excited about it. And... Um, it's, it's longer, it's bigger, it's got better, it's got air brakes, it is, it's aluminum and not steel, so it's not going to tear down our trailer guy's truck anymore. That's why he's so excited about it. And so um, we're, we're really, really blessed to be able to buy a new trailer. And I know it doesn't sound like a big deal, but in the world of portable church, we just bought a building, y'all. Like, like that, this, this is what we're living out of. And so um, did I just say y'all in Maine? I don't know where that came from, but um, I've been watching 21 Days of Prayer is what it's been. But um, so because we bought a trailer, some of our people in the church were like, hey, we could sell our church or we could sell our trailer. We don't have a building to sell. So I don't know where that came from either, but we could sell our trailer. And I said, or we could give it away. And they were like, oh, (laughs) yeah, we could do that, too. And so Rory Lawrence is speaking next week. We're going to give him that trailer, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because when we when we started, we wouldn't be here without some of the things that were given to us. We were we were given uh, two new soundboards. We were given um, money we raised $60,000 to start our church and because people gave to us, we are now able to give to other people. And so we're always, we're always going to give it away. If, if, if it's a possibility to give away, we will give it away. If it's a possibility to make some money, well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but we will give it away first. We will always give it away first. Um, Because I believe God blesses a generous church, and that's what we're going to be. We're going to be a generous church. So, Pastor Rory is coming to speak, and let me tell you, I do not take it lightly to have someone come and stand in my place. I don't take it lightly to have, that's why we've only had six, like we've, and three out of the six were missionaries that I wanted you to see what they were doing. The other three we're, our our pastor Derek, his pastor Derek's son. Like that'll tell you a little bit about my trust level right there. Like it was his son, and then it was him, and then um, and then Rory this next week, and he's a church planner. So I want you to hear about his me- mission too. So um, I'm not going to ask just anyone to come and speak for you. Like it's I, it's a privilege to to be able to stand here, and I'm not going to squander it. So I'm um, I'm really excited about, about you guys getting to hear. Uh, pastor Rory ne- la- next week. So, for today, I want to talk to you about something that I learned when my family and I went camping two weeks ago. We went to camping at Mount Blue in Weld, Maine. We went s- with some friends, some good friends of ours, and um, it was it was it was glorious. And one of the things that you have to learn about about your pastor is that um, we moved from from Southern Illinois, where it was it was hot, it was muggy. Um, in the summertime, and the winter was cold and just frozen. Like it didn't snow; it just froze. It was awful, and so I was—I was never really much of an outdoorsman. Like I didn't like the outdoors. And now that I live in Maine, I have discovered the outdoors, and the outdoors are glorious. I actually really, really enjoy the outdoors now that I live in Maine. When I lived in in Humid Town, it was not good. But now that I live where it's not, although the last couple of weeks have been so sticky and muggy, and I'm just like, God, you called me to Maine because there was no humidity here and because people need Jesus. <laughs> and so, like, I love being comfortable. We all love being comfortable when it comes to temperature, especially. And so when I discovered that you can be comfortable in a tent, actually kind of liked it. I don't want to, I don't want my wife to know that I liked it too much because then she wants me to do it again. And, um, but I did, but some of you are like, but if you enjoyed it, wouldn't you want to do it? It's just the work getting there. We don't like the work getting there, but when you have good friends that do the work for you, then, uh, then it it helps. And so um, we camped and, and while I was camping, I learned a valuable lesson that I really believe that um, God used it as a, as an opportunity to speak to me because I like, as soon as I learned it, I was like, I can't wait to put this in message form so that I can share it with my people because I believe that it's, it's a word that is for us today. So I want to talk to you this morning about the principle of the opposites. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are worthy to be called Father. God, frankly, there are men on this planet that are fathers that aren't worthy to be called father. And so, so oftentimes, when we look at you as our father, we think of our earthly father, but Lord, you are far greater than they are. You are far more worthy of they are. And so, God, we thank you that we can call you father today. God, I ask that you would use this, this message that you have given to me. Use it to tear down walls and use it to build people up. Since Jesus, my prayer, amen. So the principle of the opposites. Think about opposites just for a second. Opposites are a funny thing. Like, op- but opposites can be can be good for each other that's why they're so funny because even though they're opposite they can be good so like like one of my favorite opposites is breakfast for dinner come on somebody like like i like breakfast for dinner right like we like breakfast for dinner we like to laugh until we cry right like that's a good opposite we laugh until we cry extroverts and introverts make fantastic couples just look at adam and tanya harold and look no further like i'm an i don 't know which one the extrovert is but um, but my wife 's an introvert, and so uh, <laughs> like we we compliment each other because I love people she hates people i 'm kidding i 'm kidding she loves you she loves you in order to connect, we have to disconnect if we want to connect with 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 our people we have to we have to do some disconnecting and so I want to talk to you this morning on the principle of the opposites. And the big idea for today is, is the principle, and that's this. The principle is that oftentimes growth happens when opposites collide. Oftentimes growth happens when opposites collide. It's not necessarily all the time when, growth, when, when, when opposites collide, but it's most of the time when opposites come together, when they find a way to come together, you can experience growth. And so today I want to give you uh, seven examples of when opposites happen, when opposites come together, when when growth, growth can take place. Um, by the way, last week's message that Pastor Derek spoke on, um, if I hadn't learned the lesson of the principle of the opposites while I was camping, I would have learned it in his message last week because um, he talked about Sonship versus slavery, and those those couldn't be more more it couldn't be more than true. So oftentimes we get hung up on one thing, but God says, "No, I don't want you to get hung up on that. I want you to get hung up on the opposite." And so, Derek talked about the principle of the opposite last week in sonship versus slavery. That's that's a bonus example. That's that's not that's that's not one that I. I wanted to give you, but I want to give you six, seven examples of the principle of the opposite. The first one is the one that unlocked this whole thought process in my mind. And that is the example of if we're going to recharge, you can write this down. If we're going to recharge, we have to unplug. If we're going to, if we're going to recharge, we must unplug. This is what happened when I went camping I unplugged. I turned off my phone because I couldn't get any cell phone signal. And so I just turned it off. I kept it in the car, kept it in the truck. And I just left it there. Because no one could get a hold of me if they wanted to. And so getting away from it, I I was able to unplug. And because I unplugged, I was able to recharge. I was able to find some energy. I was able to get some rest. I guess I loved every second of it because i didn't have to hold my phone and look at it and say what's you know what was that notification or what was this notification or what was that text message or who's trying to get a hold of me like I understand that it can be difficult to unplug, but ladies and gentlemen we have to if we're gonna for for our sanity we have to God understood this in the book of Genesis chapter two this is the first first Scripture that I want to give to you on this principle, but in Genesis chapter 2 at the end of creation The Bible says that God rested and in in Genesis 2 2 through 3 On the seventh day God had finished his work in creation So he rested from all of his work and God blessed the seventh day and he declared it holy because it was the day When he rested from his work of creation, God knew he needed to rest So he rested He didn't quit He rested. In today's world, it has become increasingly more difficult to rest. It's become increasingly more difficult to unplug. Because of this thing, because of this, we are constantly connected. Because of this, we always have something to look at. I just started flashing myself in the face with my... That was funny. Totally unplanned. Like, and and even then it's saying, hey, I'm right here. Like, I want your attention. And we yell at our kids for screen time. But ladies and gentlemen, like, this is killing us. Because we're constantly connected. And it's nothing against cell phones. God knows I love my cell phone. But there are days that I just leave it in my room. I just leave it in my house. Like like just lock it up. If someone needs to get a hold of me, they'll call Tanya. Like I don't need it. Unplug to get rest. A few so so last year um I learned this principle and and let's be honest. This is a difficult principle to learn. It's a lot easier said than done to unplug and to rest. And so last year uh, in September, so coming up on a, on a year, my family and I, we moved, we moved from Wyndham to a house in Wyndham that we were renting to a house in Gorham that we bought. And, um, when we moved, like, we moved one day, and the very next day, I went to a conference in Massachusetts. It was a one-day conference called Relate. While I was there, I met a guy by the name of Pastor Randy Bezette. Randy Bezette is one of the, one of the first ever church planners for ARC, the organization that helped us get started. He pastors the church that he started uh, 17, 16, 17 years ago to this day in Bradenton, Florida, and they currently run over thirty thousand people. Like he's he, he he's someone that I I very greatly look up to. And I don't know if it was my nerves or if it was if it was just I was exhausted or what it was. But when I met him like I just started crying. And of course if you know me, you know that doesn't happen very often. So um I was shocked. <laughs> Of course, it happens all the time, and so it's just one. Of, and sometimes, um, I'll I'll will I'll cry when I'm nervous, and so um, which is which is kind of lame to be honest. And when I was when I met him, I just I started crying, and, and I told him I was how exhausted I was. I started talking about how tired I was, and and, and he said, Adam, you need some rest. Like, you have got to find some rest. If you're going to make it in ministry, if your church is going to last, you better find a rhythm of rest. And I was like, oh, um, I do. And so I came home from that that conference, and I sat down with Tanya, and I said, Tanya, I said, listen, you and I both know if we don't take Monday off, we're not going to take a day off. We better get it it early in the week because what happens is Friday comes and we have work that isn't done yet. And we're going to get it done because it has to get done for Sunday. And so we better take Mondays off from now on. And so last year, I started taking Mondays off. That doesn't mean that you can't call me on Mondays. That means that I'm going to rest on Mondays. I'm going to find a way to rest on Monday because I need to rest. We need to rest. You need a day off during the week. Men, you need a day off during the week. Ladies, you need a day off during the week. You need to find a way to rest for your own sanity. But but, but Pastor Adam, you don't understand. I have to work to provide for my family. And what happens if you're not there to work for your family? They will miss you greatly. You need to rest. We need to find a rhythm of rest. Our our mission at the refuge is that when we make Jesus our refuge, we never have to be overtaken by the storms of life. We want to show people that when they make Jesus a refuge, they never have to be overtaken by the storms of their life. And that's found in in Psalm chapter 91 verse 9 and 10. You can look it up. But In Psalm chapter 91, the entire passage is about God being our refuge. And when we we discovered the name the Refuge Church out of Psalm 91, we decided to make Psalm 91 our anthem. It was our our mission. It was was the chapter of the Bible that we were going to hinge everything on. And so Psalm chapter 91, verse 1 says this. It says, those who live in the shelter of of the most high will find rest in the shadow of the almighty. God wants to give you rest so that you can recharge. The next principle of the opposite that I want to give you this morning is this. We have to fail to become stronger. We have to fail to become Stronger. Failure is never the end. For some of us, failure is the beginning. Failure is never the end. Sometimes what Satan intends for a setback, God intends for a step up. Failure is not the end. Your failure is not the end. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, it says this. It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles, also known as our present failures, if I could say that. So our present troubles are small and will not last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that, is va- that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we do not look at the troubles. So we do not look at the failures. We can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that we cannot see, for the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. Ladies and gentlemen, whatever it is, however it is that you have failed, it is not your end. Get up, brush yourself off, and get back up and be stronger for the failure. Jesus' brother James put it like this in James chapter 1 verse 3 for you know that your faith, when your faith is tested, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Ladies and gentlemen, your failure is not the end. It is the beginning of your strength. Anyone that has ever lifted weights, Knows that if you want to get gains, right, you want to get swole, you want to get strong, you have to lift until you fail. It doesn't matter how how much weight you're pushing. It doesn't matter how much weight you're lifting. You can lift five pounds until you can't lift it anymore. You're going to get stronger. Failure makes us stronger in the gym and in life. Example number three. And I really, really believe that this one right here is for someone today. Like this was one that as I was writing, writing my message, as I was writing it out, as I often do, God just said, this is for someone today. If you're depressed, if you're depressed, find a way to praise. If you're down in the dumps, And you can find a way to praise Jesus. You won't be in the dumps long. If you're depressed, find a way to praise. No one knew this better than King David. In the book of Psalms, chapter 42, verse 4 through 11, it says this. It says, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. King David used to be like, you can say, woe is me at the beginning of of many psalms. My heart is breaking. As I remember what it used to be, I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading a great procession into the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Why am I so discouraged? He says. Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My Savior, my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day, Lord, pours... His unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Verse nine, O oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? I love it. Because you see this, this is like He's up he's down here, and then he's up here, and then he's down here, and then he's up here. And some of you, your depression is like that. Some of you, some some of your days are really low, and some of your days are really high. King David was like that. He starts writing in in Psalm 42, and he's saying, I remember when things were good, but my heart is broken. In verse verse 9, he's saying, God, you're my rock, but why have you forgotten me? And then verse 10, he says, Their taunts break my bones, they scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And the end of verse 11 says this. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. David knew that the answer to his depression was praising Jesus. David knew that the the answer to his depression was finding a way to, to think back to what God has done so that he could see that God is good. If you're depressed today, find a way to remember how good God is and praise him for it. If you struggle with depression, you don't have to struggle any longer. The answer is found in the praise. We need to praise Jesus. Like we, we have got to find a way to praise Jesus. In the good and in the bad. Example number four. If we want to receive, we must first let go. If we want to receive, we must first let go. In the book of Mark chapter 10. There's a story of this man by the name of, well, we don't know his name, but we do know that he was a great, he was a a great young ruler, a rich young ruler. The the Bible refers to him as the rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus one day and he says to him, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to have everlasting life? And Jesus responds to him. He says, well, obey obey the commandments. And the rich young ruler says to him, well, I've done that ever since I was a a child. I'm good. But then Jesus says, now take everything that you own and go sell it and give it to the poor. And the rich young ruler goes, I'm out. Like, that's not what he said. That's Adam's translation. He's like, I'm done. Like, if that's what it takes, no way. Because the rich young ruler had a lot. He had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of things. But look at the conversation that happens with Jesus' disciples after the rich young ruler comes to them. Afterwards, this is what happens in verse uh, 28 of Mark chapter 10. It says, then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. It's like Peter saying, hey, hey, Jesus, like what you just told him, we did that. Like patting himself on the back like Peter always did. Like, hey, we, we did that. Verse twenty nine. Yes, Jesus replied, "I assure you that everyone who has given up house and brothers and sisters and mother and father and children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution." I love. He just throws that 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 little little dig in there. He says. You're going to receive all that stuff back, but you'll also be persecuted. Carry on. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But I will give you eternal life. Give it all up, but I will give you back. I will give back to you. Verse 31, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest. Jesus always flips the script. That's why the principle of the opposite is so true and so good. Because Jesus has a way of flipping the script in all of our lives. Whatever it was that used to be in your life doesn't have to be any longer. You can see hope. Because Jesus always flips the script. And if we let go, he gives back. But we have to let go in order to receive. Example number five. It's, it's, it's a verse that, um, that popped up a few times this week. Uh, we're, we're doing this, this thing that we call 21 days of prayer right now. Our emphasis in August is on the prayer. And not on the fasting. Our emphasis in January will be on the fasting. And the prayer. Seeking God. We Some of us are, are fasting some things. This this, uh, this month. Or or for the 21 days. In order to grow closer to God. I've given up my social media this week. there this month. For the entire month of August. I've, I'm off of social media. In, in efforts to unplug. So that I can recharge. And. I'm recharging by seeking Jesus in every area that I would normally, like when I would normally grab my phone and look at Facebook. I'm 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 starting to to pray and say, "All right, God," like seeking Him. And so, on our website, refuge dot church forward slash twenty one days. Every day you can go on and and tune in to. Uh, Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, Alabama. They've got a phenomenal worship team. They're a church of over 40,000 people, the second largest church in America. And they do 21 days of prayer so well. Pastor Chris Hodges is the pastor of that church. And this last week on Thursday, he gave a message that had already been popping up. And Pastor Derek may have even used it last week. But this verse was popping up over and over and over again. And so I just took example number five and I just said, you know what? It's just the verse. It's not necessarily a principle, which it'll be a principle. But verse John chapter 3, verse 30 is example number five of the principle of the opposites. And it simply says this. It's John the Baptist that's speaking. He says, he must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Ladies and gentlemen, if we want to grow in our lives, God has to be greater than we are. The sooner we realize that, the easier life will be. When we focus on God, He focuses on us. When we focus on God, He focuses on us and we grow. Because of him and not because of us. Our worship is not about us and our worth. It is about him and his worth. That's why we worship him. Because he is worthy. Because he is worth it. He is worth the sacrifice. It's all about him. He must be greater and greater. I must be less and less. That's why every week we come in here. We come into the the, the school and we make it about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. When I look at the city of Wyndham, I, 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 I desperately want it to be transformed. When I look at the state of Maine, I desperately want it to be transformed. But I, and I want it to be transformed not by a new church, but by a church that is madly in love with Jesus. Because when we make it about him, when we make it about him, he does things that are inexplainable. When we make it about him, he does the miraculous. When we make it about him, not about us, it's not about me. He must be greater and greater. I must be less and less. God, get me out of the way so that you can do something. Get me out of the way so you can show up. But I got to remove myself. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Example six and example seven go together. And that is this. Example six is that in order to find life, we must lose our life. Jesus said that. In order to find life, we must lose our life. And number seven is in order to find freedom, we must surrender. In order to find freedom, we must surrender. Mark chapter 10, verse 39 says this. If you call, or, or sorry, verse 39. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Following Jesus will cost you everything, but it will transform you. And because it transforms you, it costs you everything. But there is nothing, nothing more freeing than realizing that your life isn't yours. Just ask the rich young ruler. You see, the rich young ruler decided that what he had was too much, that he couldn't let it go. He couldn't let it go in order to receive the life that God would give him. He couldn't let it go in order to receive the freedom that God would give him. He couldn't surrender it. We have to find a way to surrender if we want to live in freedom. That's the way God works. There's nothing more worthy of giving your life for someone that has given up his life for you. That's why we find freedom. Because he gave up everything so that we could live in freedom. If there's one message that, that I wanted the world to hear, it's that there is freedom in Jesus when you surrender everything you have to him, but you have to first surrender you see, I think one reason why opposites work so well is that so oftentimes Satan wants us to get hung up. And, the, and, and it's not just that opposites work so well, it's that this message is so important. You see, because Satan wants you to get hung up on the opposite, he wants you to get hung up in believing that you have to work, 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 and not recharge. You have to stay connected and not recharge. He wants you to believe that you, you have to, to hold on to everything so that you don't let it go. He wants you to believe that there's not freedom in Jesus. You see, so many of my friends growing up that I, that I told about Jesus, so many of them would say, Adam, you don't understand, like, I just, I just don't want to live with a bunch of rules. It's a lie of the devil. It's not about the rules. It's about the freedom. When Jesus comes into your life, you no longer have to live held captive by the things that you're being held captive by. You no longer have to be captivated by pornography. You no longer have to be captivated by your pride. You can live in the freedom that Jesus gives you by the blood of Jesus. Because he died and shed his blood for us, we can be free. there's one more opposite that I believe that is probably the most well it, it, it's, it's the one that's closest to God's heart, and it's the opposite. Of the lost and found You see In the book of Luke Chapter 15 Luke records A story that Jesus Told his disciples There's actually three stories But with one principle And the principle was always About Something being lost One of them was about a lost sheep that the shepherd goes and looks for. Another one, it was about a lost coin that this lady goes and looks for. The third one is about a lost son that the father wouldn't rest until his son came home. Ladies and gentlemen, because of our sin, because of the things in our lives that we do wrong, We are separated from our creator. We are separated from God. And because we've been separated from God, when we separate from him, we are lost. Living our lives alone without him. And some of you are here this morning and some of you feel like you're lost. Some of you feel like you're searching for something and you're just grasping different things and different things. Just trying to see, is that it? Is that it? Money? More money? Is it it more money that I need? Is it more drugs that I need? Is it more girls that I need? More more guys that I need? And you're just grasping, trying to see if it's what you need to find. But ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that it's Jesus that you need to find. Because He's searching for you. And I believe that there's nothing... That he wants more than to find the children that he has lost. There's nothing more that he searches for than for us. Because he created us to be in relationship with him. But our sin broke his heart. And because of that, it broke our relationship. And when our relationship was broken, we were lost. But this morning, he has brought you here to this church to find him. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand your feet, by your heads, close your eyes as we reflect on the opposites? By the way, if you can think of any opposites that work together that I didn't mention today, I would love to hear them. Some of you are your your minds have already gone there. Send me an email. I'm not on Facebook, so send me an email. But maybe some of you are here today, and maybe you say, "You know what? I identify with with being lost." I realize that I'm I'm lost. Is there anyone like that? Any, anyone that's that, that standing on your feet that, that, that you would just, just slip your hand up in the air so I can see it. And you say, you know what, Pastor Adam, I'm, I've been searching. I just don't know what it is I'm looking for. Anybody anybody like that? Just, just raise your hand up and put it back down. Thank you. Anybody else? Pastor Adam, I, I've been searching. I'm, I'm lost. Maybe some of you here would say, Pastor Adam, I need to unplug so I can recharge. Pastor Adam, there are things in my life that I need to let go of so I can receive. There are some things in my life that I need to surrender so I can live in freedom. Is there anybody like that? Any of those things? Any of them? Thank you. Any, anybody else? Was this message for anyone else today? Pastor Adam, I need help with some of these opposites. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you do me a favor? Everyone's standing on your feet. Sometimes, you know what, in, in I've been in services where I'm like, you know what? I'm not sure how I feel about that. But then when the pastor put it like this, I said, you know what? I really like that. He said, every morning I wake up, I have to be reminded that I have given my heart to Jesus, that I am a child of God because I have surrendered my heart over to him. And it is his. And every morning I have to remind myself. So every morning I get up and I say that, that prayer. So maybe maybe that's you today. Maybe you just want to be reminded that you've said this prayer. Would, would everyone out loud, do me a favor. Would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I come to you because I have sinned. And I need you. Come into my life and help me to live for you. Thank you for your son, Jesus, that died for me so that I can live. In his name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer and you believed every word you said, I want you to know you are a child of God. You are lost no more. And we want to celebrate that. Do you want to celebrate that today? Do you want to celebrate what God has done today? So we celebrate that. So on that card that you received on your way out, if you would stop by the next step station and just let us know so that we can celebrate with you. We're going to sing a song and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you guys so much for being here.